Welcome to episode 3 of Deep Dive Conversations. I am your host Natalie and today I will be introducing my lovely friend Lacey. Her and I have known each other for quite some time, bonding over our love for boxing, art, and now true crime. Lacey is an extremely talented artist that specializes in wood burning, so give her some love on social media which is broken underscore canvas and check her out um, on social media and all of her amazing items she handcrafts. Today we'll be telling stories that we have found very interesting. They are two true crime stories and this is a trigger warning for anyone triggered by sexual assault, abuse, violence, and death or dying. I hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for many more. Um, so how did you get into true crime? Oh, um, well, I feel like true crime, like, has kind of taken off, like, since, uh, my favorite murder came out. Yeah. Uh, that, that podcast. I love it. I love right? it. Right. So yeah. like, I already was kind of into it, but it didn't really, uh, I didn't really get into podcasts or anything like that until I started the, my favorite murder. And now I've kind of moved on to um, like, there's one that's called Morbid. Or okay. Like the, the is last it podcast on the left? Is it just Morbid or is it the Morbid di- Digest? Uh, it's called Just Morbid. It's two women that do it. Okay. One's like a, I think she's like a mortician. Whoa. Yeah. So like she kind of has like some, like that doesn't make sense about this autopsy report or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's. Um, I do have to like try to like break it up because sometimes I'm like okay I've listened to like six hours at work of just just, yeah yeah. I'm just (laughs) pure like yeah I totally understand that (laughs) but uh, yeah I've always been into human behavior like I went to school for it and uh, okay so um, we both have stories prepared to talk about Mm -hmm. Um, what is one Mine is three pages long, but I use two. Yours is two? Okay, great. Yeah, like I didn't know how long or like how in depth you wanted me to get, so I just went for it. I got it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you went for the name Deep Dive. Yeah. <laughs> I said the name. <laughs> you know when they say, they say the name of the movie in the movie? <laughs> like, Roadhouse. <laughs> Start kicking shit. <laughs> um, okay, so uh I since you are my guest I would like you to go first if Ooh, I get, okay okay good yeah then that way I feel like you're probably way better at this so if honestly this you, is my first, first time telling story oh okay yeah. this is my first time ever so we are on the same boat and <laughs> we're new to this Ooh, I get to be the first the first of many, <laughs> of many. <laughs> I even I even wrote it out like I typed it oh my god <laughs> I love, I love it. I love how prepared you are. And there's like paragraphs. <laughs> and I just jumbled everything into just one paper. So <laughs> I love your organization, girl. <laughs> um, all right. So I am covering, I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, the death of Tamla Harris. <gasps> I have heard of it slightly, but you're going to yeah. go into depth about it. <laughs> gimme gimme <laughs> <laughs> so um the actual murder was pretty recent it was like two years ago oh my god um november 4th 2018 wow. and her death was ruled uh an accidental death due to fall okay so that's going to be important later okay so um <laughs> i think to start it's just kind of important to kind of talk about who tamla was a little bit yeah, um, just to get an idea of kind of who she was and why. Well, it sucks that anybody gets murdered, but yeah, it seems like it's always like really nice people, right? Know. People that have like good things going for them, or they're just generally good people. Yeah, generally good people. Yeah. So Tamla was a mother of five boys. Oh my god! Right, and uh, she had one stepdaughter. And they lived in the state of Georgia, which, um, like, historically, and even, like, most recently, has kind of been known for 
being like racist. Okay. Um, it has a long history of racism. Okay. And uh, that's also important later. Okay. So Tamla is African American. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and she was basically going to high school or not going to high school her kids are going to high school uh-huh. um with all these other mothers that were all white oh which, that's fine which well, to kill. <laughs> no, each to their own uh but she seemed regardless like she was a really nice person she tried hard to make people feel included she was very friendly personable very um it almost sounded like she was kind of like if you looked like you were feeling lonely or like you were at a party and felt awkward, she'd mm-hmm. be that person that would go and talk to you. Oh, like, nice. yeah. So she sounded like a sweetheart. Um, so on the night of November 4th, 2018, uh, a woman named, I think her name's Gian or Gian, or maybe it's French. I'm going to call her Gian cause it's easier. Okay. I'm sorry if that's wrong. <laughs> um, I'm taken because I don't know either (laughs) there was no google translation um so this woman Jan Jan wanted to have a sleepover for her 45th birthday so an all-woman sleepover which like I guess maybe that's the theme but like to me personally like I I don't want to sleep over at my friend's house anymore I that's so hard right like I feel bad but it's like I I I have like we both have fiancés to go home to you have a dog like in my bed and your bed (laughs) you get your bed man we're grown-ups now (laughs) so the party started around seven o'clock but Tamla was actually late because speaking to like how good of a mother she was she wanted to make sure that like she was leaving her house for the night um, and everything was taken care of. So she made them a casserole to eat. She made sure the house was clean so that her husband wouldn't be like, ah, I have 5,000 kids. And wow. So she ended up actually coming to the party late. She came around 8.30 and she showed up to the party in a Dalmatian onesie. Oh, that's like, so Okay, this girl would have been my home girl. And I yeah, would have had a matching I feel like we could have been best friends. <laughs> I have a polka dot onesie that's just like a bunch of different polka dot colors, but like we could be matching definitely. The polka oh, dot polka dot. and comfy. <laughs> Except the men's onesies have back pockets, which like so you could go to the washroom. Why don't women? I don't no. know. We have to take off everything, just like a a jumper what is it oh, oh a romper a romper it's just a so romper. awkward in a public bathroom yeah they're I'm cute wondering. until you're sitting with your titties out right <laughs> it's so true try to pee and your boobs are just hey guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right continue oh, my dog foot's on my script there we go okay so um the party seemed to be going all right it's like everybody seemed to be doing all like having fun Mm-hmm. Um, Tamla had actually brought the host, Gian, or Gian, um, had brought her like a tequila from Mexico and okay. was like, this is a really good tequila. And, uh, this is, I, I want to mention this because it, I feel like it kind of speaks to like the women she was partying with. Okay. So the guest, even though like she was, uh, sorry, I'm messing this up. She refused the tequila. She was like, I don't want that. It makes me want to vomit. And this is like a gift, right? So what does my girl Tamla do? She cracks it open and starts drinking it herself because that's what you do. Yep. Yep. (laughs) None of the other women really wanted any. Um, I guess nobody wanted tequila, whatever. So... They're all hanging out, and Jose is a guy that uh, he doesn't live with GM, but she, he's just dating her. Okay. So, despite it being an all girls party, Jan's boyfriend, Jose, decided to hang out with a dude named Tom down in the basement during a girls' night. Don't you hate that? I hate that. It's almost like 
it's like they're waiting for you to leave like yeah oh, it's a sleepover like- too what the heck yeah so and no, Tom was a husband of another party goer so okay. the plan was like they were gonna go out leave the girls to their night and then Jose was like, you know what? I'm actually not like feeling the best. I'd rather just like save the cash and watch uh, the game downstairs. We'll stay out of the way. Like, which is like, if the house is big enough, I guess, like, yeah, I can see my partner doing that, just being like, you know, I'll, I'll stay out of the way, but I don't mm-hmm. want to go out, mm-hmm. which, like, whatever. Okay. So I'm losing track. Ba, 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 ba. Okay. So they're partying, they're having a good time. Um, there's pictures taken of them like playing cards against humanity. They're laughing. There's lots of selfies that Tamla took herself that you can find online. Um, and by all accounts, like it looked like she was having a great time. Okay. Um, around 10:30, she called her husband and like her uh stepdaughter just to kind of like show off her stepdaughter because she was proud like Mm -hmm. only daughter (laughs) yeah um and was yeah so that was around 10 30 and she called to just to say like she was having a good time um you know she's not going to be home good night love you all that fun stuff Mm -hmm. and her husband was like great that's awesome so during the night women that were at the party reported that Tamla at no time really seemed like sloppy drunk or like um she she wasn't gonna sorry you're gonna have to edit this um (laughs) she was like she could hold her alcohol yeah like and she would go out onto the back porch of the like it was like a walkout that was about a story high Okay, like a balcony kind of? Uh, yeah, like a balcony. It was hard to kind of picture because I got different references to it. Okay. But throughout the night, um, she would go out there to have her smoke. And it was hard to tell if she was kind of like a, dr- a smoker because she was drinking mm-hmm. or just a smoker. But the women that were also there really harped on this. Like, oh, she was out smoking and smoking weed and I would never touch weed like relax it's not cocaine like it's fine yeah <laughs> um but they really seem to like when they are all being uh talked to about it they really seem to make a big point about how she smoked weed and oh. smoked cigarettes okay but to me it just kind of sounded like she has um five boys and needed to let loose with literally yeah you right? think it like, would be a safe space that's what yeah, i among us have not <laughs> so the last guest to leave because I guess some people did actually end up leaving and then other people were just trying to find a place to sleep like in the house okay so the last guest was named Bridget and her husband came to get her she said around 2 a.m and she said Tamla was still awake and she was the last person awake and she was just eating like another bowl of gumbo because I guess they had that for dinner so she was trying to like kind of encourage Bridget to stay. She wanted to stay up and party a little bit longer, but everyone was kind of tired. And so they went their separate ways and Tamla gave her a hug and Bridget left. Okay. Okay. So what happened? So on the homeowner's phone, she has an app that tells her when her door opens and closes. Okay. It looks as though approximately around... 147 a.m. the door opened and closed which is consistent with somebody going out for a smoke mm-hmm. seven minutes later the door opens again so she's had her smoke mm-hmm. but it never closes again so mm-hmm. at that point you're just kind of like okay so she just walked into the house and like left the door open like a dick <laughs> like yeah okay. or didn't close was, it like nice enough to close it the first yeah. time yeah so Yeah, so I got to turn my page. (laughs) So let's fast track to approximately 8.30 a.m. Because that's the next time they have a timeline. Okay. Jeanne's Aunt Madeline, who was also at the party but went to bed early. Mm -hmm. She wakes up and goes to make a coffee. 
And as she's making coffee, she looks out the window and immediately sees the Dalmatian type onesie laying in the ground. <gasps> yeah. So the, this is another weird thing. And this story changes too, but I went with kind of the most current. Um, she didn't immediately like go out there. She wasn't like, oh my God, are you okay? She said she stopped and said a prayer. Okay. What? Why is that your first instinct? Okay. Anyways. Right? Yeah. That's and like, and then this is the even weirder thing is, okay, so you're done praying or whatever. She still doesn't go out there to be like, hey, everything okay? She decides to go up to Jose and Jeanne's room yeah. and wake them up. Okay. Okay. So one account says that when she went up there, she thought she heard somebody in the shower. Mm-hmm. But the account that they ended up giving the police after was that she went up there and woke them up out of a dead sleep. So kind of weird. Yeah. So they get down there um, and at 8.59, so about 15, oh no, about a half hour later, mm -hmm. uh, 911 was called by Jeanne. Um, she ends up putting Jose on the phone who is actually in law enforcement. No. Yeah. And um, like he he's goes, a officer? yeah, yeah. Oh so, um, yeah, that kind of comes up later a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, so on the phone, uh, Jose, he's talking to the 911 operator and he goes from like, she's stiff and not breathing to like, I don't know if she's breathing. Well, like, you're an officer like yeah you're I mean, trained you, for you that no you're literally trained to check check the abcs airway yeah breathing. and like yeah. even if you're not a law and like this is your friend like to me i would be like putting my face in her face and being like yeah. are you breathing like but she was actually i forgot to mention this completely face down like in the grass okay so she tamla. that was that was tamla in the tamla grass. yeah so she was actually face down um and not turn to the side so I understand not wanting to touch the body but like to me if I think somebody might be dead already I'm gonna turn them but that's just me yeah um so she was positioned and I say positioned specifically um with her right arm was above her head and her other arm was on her side which would make sense if she fell and tried to like break her fall with her okay. wrist okay um out, out front um the thing that doesn't make sense about her position though if we're going with that fall thing mm -hmm. is that like I said her head was face down so if you fall it doesn't matter like how messed up you are you're gonna turn your face yeah even if you're going into like concrete and yeah. you know like you're a goner you're gonna turn your face especially if she had her arms in front of her too yeah well like, yeah if she's awake enough to try to break her fall she's not going to be like Dush, like face plant yeah and um during the 911 call and I, I mentioned this again to kind of speak to the women at this party the woman Jeanne whose house it was mm -hmm. says there's a woman face planted in my backyard not like you know she it was just came across kind of she called she called her friend a woman a woman uh, yes and like i'm gonna double check that just in case but it was basically like she face planted oh no. like i would i don't know it just sounds that's weird that's weird yeah, it sounds callous to me yeah so um again they are going with an accidental by fall because they said maybe she tripped and fell off this balcony because I guess there was like a little lip too on the balcony that I, if you were like super fucked up mm -hmm. you could trip over but and there was like two matching knee injuries that that might be consistent with but I'm gonna list her injuries and uh we'll go from there <laughs> so Tamla's right wrist was fractured and or dislocated there was a large bump where her wrist met her hand as well as a cut over that bump as if the bone had cut the skin from the inside 
There were matching defects on both Tamla's shins that we talked about, and the autopsy revealed uh, severe injuries of the head, neck, and torso, including, now I'm going to try and say this, but bear with me, a subarachnoid hemorrhage. hemorrhage. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You got it. Woohoo! Which is the bleeding in the space between the brain and the skull, and a subdural hemorrhage, which is bleeding between the brain and the membrane that surrounds the brain. There was also a fracture of the second cervical vertebrae, a broken neck, and a laceration of the heart. During the autopsy, they were able to tell that some of the injuries came post-mortem. So after she was dead, which would be consistent if she was dead before she went over the balcony. (gasps) Right? So that's kind of (laughs) weird. Um... Or if, because yeah, even if she like passed out, well, how would falling? Yeah, she wouldn't. So, been, she wouldn't be dead. She'd die on impact. Yeah, yeah. So, which is kind of odd, as well as like the autopsy ruled blunt force trauma by accident. So they're basically saying that all these blunt force traumas happened because she fell. And we're just gonna forget that some of them happened post mortem because we don't know what happened. Maybe like an animal came and decided to mug her we don't know um so they also did like a toxicology report and they found xanax in her system and she wasn't prescribed xanax or anything like that yeah xanax like a party drug is that what kids do or doesn't it like slow you down yeah i'm pretty sure it makes you i think the people take it to stay awake like or to relax them I don't know like when I had my laser eye surgery they gave me like a Xanax and but that was supposed to calm me down so I wouldn't have like a panic attack on the table oh Um, yeah so now I don't want to say like oh somebody slipped her drink yeah which is probably what happened but at the same time like who knows man you got a bunch of football moms right maybe one of them like spiked their own drink and then they got mixed up yeah that's right because like that's why we have to label them with sharpies <laughs> when we were at parties right yeah red solo cup and <laughs> but um i am so i'm just gonna finish up with some of the investigation okay because it was a shit show like in 2018 in 2018 it was a shit show <laughs> so the boyfriend Jose, for one, um, kept changing his story. So he went from he was and woken law death from enforcement. sleep. Sorry? And he's in law enforcement. Yeah. So wow. he went from I was woken from a dead sleep to like, oh, I was cleaning first to like all this different stuff that the the police were like, what's the actual story? Yeah. Um during the investigation, they interviewed everybody at the party, and Jeanne seemed to be, like, flirting with the cops at one point. She, like, buys them gift cards at one point for, like, donuts. Wow. Tries wow. to give them this gift card during wow. another interview with another one of the moms there. So just walks in on this interview that was being conducted in her home. So... Which, like, I don't know why it wasn't being done at the station or Mm. why she was just freely allowed to, like, roam in and out of the conversation. Yeah. Like, it was not here at all. No. And um, the one thing I will quote from that Morbid podcast, because I uh, listened to the way they did this. I don't know when they did it. It was a while ago. Mm -hmm. But, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. You're going to have to edit this out. Sorry. A quote from Morbid? Yeah, a quote from Morbid. Oh. oh, yeah. So the cops were like, we can't, like, take that gift card. Obviously, it would look bad. Yeah. But also, she then turns to them and goes, do you have any more questions for me? Or can I go get ready for this funeral? So this woman died in her house, or outside of her house, and is like, can I go get ready for this funeral? Like, it's such a fucking hassle wow. yeah I don't know where they found that information mm-hmm. but 
I, when I heard that, I was like, holy crow. Um, they also said during, I guess, the initial talks with the police that they had cameras that go out into the backyard mm-hmm. and that would have been able to catch everything. Mm-hmm. And Jose was like, we will check them. And at no, no time, yeah. No, that, no, how is that allowed? That should be forfeited. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like absolute shit show. <gasps> so they at no time are like no don't touch anything they're like okay and then I guess eventually when they did ask for the tapes Jose was like oh I guess I accidentally deleted that day that day how convenient yeah Yeah. oh my god so um they also reported that um none of the people at the party were kept separate so while they were waiting to be like interrogated or mm-hmm. asked what happened, they were able to kind of just talk freely to each other. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So they can get their stories straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another few weird things just before I finish up here is, uh, so Jose later ended up getting fired from the police. I think it was the NYPD, but don't quote me. I should have wrote it down. But uh, he got fired because he ended up getting caught looking at files on the case. So it was like fired because he was using his power to get access to information. Yeah. Which like some people have argued like maybe he was just curious because it like happened to like at his girlfriend's house. Mm -hmm. But other people were like or he was checking to see like what they had so far. Yeah. Right. So there's that but uh, so a lot of people think that it looks like a cover-up or that the police just wanted the case closed yeah um because another strange thing is people reported when they first saw the body that Kamala or Tamla sorry I keep calling her Kamala and I think it's because of Kamala Harris and like it's on my brain yeah but uh they reported that she was initially found with both her hands by the side no somebody had moved her no like she right so um and the amount of rigor mortis that jose was trying to like detail and saying she was stiff with november weather being like a little bit colder i guess um rigor mortis slows down so for her to be stiff the murder would have had to have happened. Well, I called it the murder, but the incident yeah. <laughs> must have happened like way earlier in the evening. So that kind of comes into question, like did Bridget actually see her at 2 a.m.? Did Bridget actually say goodbye to her? Like, because the amount of rigor mortis that she was being described as having would have taken like eight hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So is this anyone case arrested is actually for- sorry? Is anyone arrested for this? No. <gasps> As of right now. You're no. kidding me. No. But there is good news. Okay. As of June twelfth of twenty twenty, so recently, they okay. recently opened or officially reopened the case. <gasps> Yay! Yeah. <laughs> good de- detectives, I hope. I, th- I think so. Um, so oh. they, I guess, I don't know how police stuff works or if a case is closed, if you continue adding evidence to it, but basically this new investigation is like, we want to look at the evidence you had then, and we want to have anything that you didn't make public. I mean, just from like the story you told me, which I, I imagine you gathered from a lot of sources. Mm-hmm. like it's 100% a cover-up yeah what the hell even if like because my theory is like maybe nothing malicious in nature happened like I don't I don't know if I would go as far as saying like they invited her there to murder her but maybe something you know there was alcohol maybe you know a fight happened maybe somebody tripped or you know, maybe something just happened that wasn't malicious and now they're trying to cover it up. Right. But then 
I feel like no matter what, like these people are called her friends. How are they not mourning or how are they not more like heartbroken about this? This is so like, it sounds like a setup because for one, I feel like most older women, like if you're 45 in your forties, you're going to only sleep over to like people that you know very well. Yeah. Yeah. But for her to trust those girls enough to sleep over and like drink with them because when you're drinking you're vulnerable and a little like obviously more vulnerable than when you are sober so yeah and not one person there tried to do any resuscitation yeah like the first thing you would try to do when you see your best friend yeah air quotes best friend I'd be like frantic yeah so they didn't do any like uh I guess DNA stuff like do they know if anything like any foul play happened like they are chalking it up to she drank too much because like her alcohol levels were like substantially high but again everybody reported that she wasn't really sloppy so she might just have a high alcohol tolerance right but from everything that I've read they're kind of just chalking it up to this is a shit show, but it was an accident. Wow. Because nobody's been arrested. And like, none of these women really seemed like they were trying to help. Like, these are your friends, you think? These are your friends. Like, never mind just like a PTA meeting or something from school. Like, these are women that you trust. Yeah. Or you thought you trust. It's just, it's too, way too fishy to be able to, wow. Well, you did a really great job for your first time. <laughs> Thank I'm you. That's awesome. <laughs> because um, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this one, but I, again. I'm, I'm really excited to tell you about it. So, <laughs> um, I owe like all of my credit and everything credibility to my favorite murder um, because I re-listened to this episode. They So this is the first murder actually that really stuck with me. Um, sorry, not, there is a murder in the story, but it is also a harrowing survival story. Ooh. So um, there's a little bit of both, but um, this is the first story that they told on MFM that I was like, you know, when you're trying to, sh- you're trying to show someone a podcast, you're like, what's a good episode to show them? Like, which one? That was the episode that I would show everyone. So I've heard this like five times. <laughs> it's comforting um, though to re-listen to them. Yeah. And it's, it, but it's also like super empowering, empower, empowering. Oh my God. My vowels today. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah super empowering and she's just a badass woman this is the survival story of mary vincent Mm. okay so as much as i love true crime and murder stories i love me a good survival story because it makes you feel like you know what (laughs) you can survive stuff (laughs) right like if somebody survived that yeah and um yeah okay so um so on the podcast my favorite murder when one of the hosts karen retells the i survive stories oh wait i'm just like totally reading this off my paper so this makes no sense i'm sorry (laughs) let me just do the okay so yes Karen um, retells this story. She's the one that tells the story. And every single time she tells it, it's just like, I'm excited to see your reaction because it's just like one thing after the other. It's just crazy bananas, as Georgia would say. (laughs) Shout out to my favorite murder. (laughs) I I would love for them to hear it. That'd be awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. So everything is 100% copied and pasted from Wikipedia. Um, So I don't want any credit for this retelling. Please nobody sue Lacey and I because we are just telling stories to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, 
so yeah so I did a little bit of research and a lot of it is from my favorite murder podcast um and this story is one that definitely stuck with me um a lot of people haven't heard this story because when I introduce them to the podcast and show it they're like what the hell how is this it's just crazy um and hint hint the protagonist is a badass motherfucker (laughs) Mary Vincent is a saint (laughs) okay so this like it's it's so emo it's so energy like the energy is so strong in this one it's really (laughs) um Okay, so on September 29th, 1978, I went back a little because, man, I don't know about you, but knowing that happened, your story happened in 2018 literally makes me feel like shit. Like, I'm just like, our justice system is still shit. (laughs) (laughs) How the fuck does this happen still? (laughs) I don't get it. But this is okay. This is 1978. This we're going I'm not going to talk too much about this shithead because he doesn't really deserve much um but just to introduce his name um and waste of human life (laughs) Lauren Singleton picked up a 15 year old Mary Vincent um that was originated from Las Vegas and she was hitchhiking in Berkeley California um Mary Vincent was a young girl that ran away from home. Um, Her parents were going through a very messy divorce and you know, you're 15, you don't wanna be around that. I I can say from personal experiences, it's not fun being in the middle of a really messy divorce. And and it's the seventies hitchhiking. It's like, everyone does it. It's a way to get around for free, why not? And you're 15, you don't know much. You're just new into the world. Like anyways. You just want, yeah, so she had some family and friends that were out in California, and I think that's why she was out there, but then she wanted to head back to Las Vegas to go back home. So she was heading, she was uh, heading back home. Um, So she was in a group of a bunch of, so this was taken from different um, sources saying that she was with these group of hitchhikers or she just happened upon them and she was just around a couple hitchhikers then um do, 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 do. there pulls up lauren singleton in his blue minivan and there's a bunch of hitchhikers there and he's in a minivan and he says he only has room for one it's mm-hmm. empty they can see that there, there's tons of room and he, he says that he only has room for mary the youngest one out of the bunch Red the hitchhikers were even like girl don't go like don't go in there like he seems weird like there's nothing in his van and he says he only has room for one what the heck and she was like oh like i don't know like she's she has been i think if she was hitchhiking for about two hours or so like she was just on the road for a really long time she was tired and she just really wanted to go home and she was super exhausted she just wants to go home um and so she grace gracefully accepts or gratefully accepts the ride even after the two hitchhikers warned her not to he looked like a grandpa she later mentions in an episode of i survived um i haven't seen it yet because i feel like i'm gonna ball my eyes out but i just heard podcasts because like i can't it's actually Mary Vincent herself that retells the story so I know like that's like like if you want to look at it you can look it up um on YouTube but I just like couldn't watch it yet it just (laughs) would be like red-eyed and teared if I did um so he looks like a grandpa she mentions what harm can he do um so while he's driving she dozes off she eventually dozes off Um, when she wakes up, she realizes they're headed in a completely different direction. Um, he says that he's on his way to Reno and he's going to drop her off in Las Vegas, but he goes a completely different opposite way. Um, so she realizes this and says like, what are you doing? Like, you're going the wrong way. And he goes, he apologizes and says, I'm an honest man. I'm sorry. I like, I, I, basically trying to like reassure her that like he's a good guy and like he wouldn't do anything so he pulls 
I yeah I don't know it's such, such a weird thing like oh don't yeah. worry like my reaction if I was going the wrong way it would be like oh I know I got turned around but don't worry like not I'm a good man sorry I'm like sorry for what yeah like what yeah exactly right okay so um so she begins to question him he reassures her that he made a mistake maybe they should pull over but he also needed to pull over to relieve himself because we know this guy's a piece of shit so and mind you this man is like he's like old and he's like tubby he's got like a pot belly like he's like a guy that looks like a grandpa but like not really like you could tell he's grandpa like but not really that's what a lot of people said creepy grandpa creepy grandpa bad grandpa (laughs) so um but she noticed okay so she notices her shoelaces are untied sitting in the passenger seat and she's like okay she has kind of like a weird feeling she's like if i have to run away from this guy i have to tie my shoelaces so she gets out of the van as he's relieving himself um and she bends over to to tie her shoelaces um and she bends over unknowingly larry is behind her with a sledgehammer he's wielding a sledgehammer and proceeds to hit her in the head with this sledgehammer oh my god knocks her out of knocks her out of consciousness she wakes up to herself tied and bound and um so this is a trigger warning I, I should have said from the very beginning this is a very trigger warning for um sexual assault and for um kidnapping and um all the bad negative stuff this is trigger warning stop listening now <laughs> this story is not for you um but yeah so she handcuffs her binds her and then proceeds to spend what was over two days sexually assaulting her um and so she's in and out of consciousness throughout the night because he's beating her he's torturing her and he's sexually assaulting her um after he figures he's had enough he says you want to be freed after hours and hours of maggie mary sorry of mary begging and pleading to go um he raises a hatchet and he severs her one arm right above the wrist her left arm what the fuck yeah and this girl like i said badass motherfucker she's fighting him and she's fighting him so she you know reaches at him with her right arm and starts like she's like what the hell just happened right so she in complete shock and the last bit of fight of her left she reaches for him and then like he sees like him she looks at him and he's flicking something off his arm she's like what the hell like what's going on it's her right arm that he hatched off he um i don't know what the right phrase is but he he cut off both her arms in the in the span of five hits like five swings so two with her left and her and three with her right and he's literally flicking this girl's arm that's still attached to it yes so talk about like talk about freaking fight or flight this girl is a fighter (laughs) she is a fighter um so Both of her forearms were cut off with a hatchet. Singleton then figured she was dead or near death. So he throws her off of a 30-foot cliff. What the fuck? On the Interstate 5 near Del Porito Canyon. I don't think I said that right, but it's in California. It sounded so pretty, though. Oh, thank you. What happened there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, a 30-foot cliff. A 30-foot cliff on the Interstate 5 in California, leaving her naked and bleeding out. Um, so this guy, he goes, blah, blah, blah. He thinks she's dead and like, so throws her off this cliff. She's by herself. Um, this mother freaking, this motherfucking badass, Ray Vincent, regains consciousness and she knows he will strike again and he cannot get away with that. So she 
summons the courage and goes like I have to get I have to like tell the police about this man he needs to be captured like I need to tell someone about this or someone's gonna get hurt again so she mitigates her bleeding forearms by shoving them into mud and creating mud packs to prevent the prevent her further bleeding out man that's so smart. smart so smart I would have I just would have laid there and been like god take me now like I don't yeah. I don't know how she summoned the strength but something in her like driving force was like get up wow. so uh the mud suppressed her bleeding while she managed to climb up the 30 foot cliff with no arms with well she had her forearms but so it was cut so she didn't have arms like she didn't have like it was like kind of like mid wrist so like right above the wrist was cut oh, off. like a half sleeve so a half sleeve yeah so she had her forearms that were like mud packed and she's yeah Oh, that's a visual. Yeah. yeah. So she climbs all day. And she says um, during the I Survive, I believe Karen mentions it. She says that the sound of the highway was keeping her like going. Yeah. So like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I can make it. So she climbs all day. And by the time she reaches the top, it's now dark out. And the only lights are the headlights and the light of the moon that was leading her towards the highway. Um, so she walked for three miles naked and covered in blood. She's something straight out of a horror movie, like armless and, um, armless covered in blood. This is the middle of the night. She sees, um, she sees a car with two men and two young men inside and starts waving them down. They stop, look at her and speak the fuck off. So (laughs) she later says she completely understands and she forgives them, um, the young men, because she was something straight out of a horror movie. So she completely understands why they ran off. But can you imagine being those guys, like, and then realizing what happened and who you just fed off from? Oh my God. They must, well, uh, at least like she survived. So they don't have that. But if she had died... But still, they must feel like shit. I'd feel like shit. I'd feel like shit, yeah. But at the same time, it's not not anybody's fault, right? Like, she understands, which is, like, that's another reason why I look up to her because it's really hard to forgive something like that. But, like, at the same time, if you're, yeah, she literally looked like something out of a scary movie. But then, (laughs) but wait, (laughs) she later, blah, 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 sorry. Um, She doesn't give up hope. She continues to walk. She then begins alerting a passing couple who was on their honeymoon, allegedly. <laughs> like, what a honeymoon story. <laughs> and they um, wrap her up, her, her body, her bandages, uh, bandage her up a little as best as they can with what they have. And they drive to a nearby phone um, and then get hospital, uh, get hold of the police or the hospital. Um, and yeah, so... I'm going to leave this for a second because I have some more to add. So she uh, goes to the hospital and on her um, hospital bed, she gives such a good description of who the man is. um, So much so that Larry Singleton's neighbor recognizes him and calls it in and goes, yeah, this motherfucker is my neighbor. And even though like they're, Karen mentions that they were friends and they're good buddies, whatever. She's like, yeah, this guy's my neighbor. Come get him. All right. oh, was he like a nice neighbor so they were friends but she was still like nah like that's him for sure yeah yeah Good so on her. he seemingly lived this normal life right that everyone didn't really know about um so by the time of uh singleton's arrest uh mary vincent wore prosthetic arms so she got fitted for her prosthetics and she had prosthetic arms um, six months after the assault, Vincent faced Singleton at his trial. She faced him at his trial, where her testimony helped to convict him. And do you know how many years he got for attempted murder, rape, torture, and um, all the other crazy things he did? Uh, I'm going to guess like 10 years or something stupid. Close. 
he was sentenced to 14 years in prison. What the, the maximum allowed by law in California at the time. What the fuck, California? Yeah. What the fuck? The presiding judge did remark, though, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. Which in my head, I'm like, don't you have the power? You're the fucking judge. Yeah. But I guess with like all of the, I don't know, laws and all this stupid crap. Yeah. Let's be out then. Yeah. This guy's out. Oh, oh, wait. Sorry. No. No. (laughs) I'm like, how am I going to sleep ever? (laughs) Oh, wait. wait. So out of the 14 years, he serves eight. He serves eight of those years for good behavior. Um, Because, sorry, not good behavior. It might have been a little bit of that, but they had a work incentive order where every day that you worked, you got a day off of your sentence. So that's how he got off with eight years what? or attempted murder and rape. And back in the day, like Karen did mention in, in the MFM podcast that like they back in the day really like rape. Mm-mm. She's probably lying about it. So they didn't believe her. Like they didn't. This woman had her fucking arms chopped. Yeah, she's like, they, why would I lie about that part? He served like, eight years for that. Okay. Bullshit. And then um, she wins, uh, Mary Vincent wins a 2.56 million silver, civil, like a civil judgment against Singleton. Mm. She was unable to collect because Singleton only had $200 in savings. So justice not served once again. No. Oh, so, God. yeah. Along with the particularly gruesome and callous aspects of the crime, the case became even more notorious after Singleton was paroled after, yes, serving only eight years in prison. He was able to reduce his time through good behavior and working as a teaching assistant in a prison classroom. Singleton was paroled to Contra Costa Costa County, California. That is a lot of seas. <laughs> but no town would actually accept his presence because his case went viral. Um, and when uh, Karen Kilgariff is talking about this, she was, I think, like seven or eight. She was young. But when this was happening, she remembers her mom and her parents like super angry about this case. Like a lot of people were outraged and angry that this man was able to be paroled and able to be reintegrated into society. So a lot of places were like, fuck that, you're not putting him in here. Um, they even tried to put him in uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, where his relatives were. And even they rose up, the guardian, the guardian angels that were a thing back in the time, which were like vigilantes, um, like rose up and were like, no, like no not happening and they would ride they would ride the subways and stuff to make sure like this crap didn't happen and like they were really out there which was which was really nice to see like the society come together and try to protect each other but uh protect each other but it like all things uh they took it a little too far (laughs) so i don't know how well the guardian angels did or how long they last but um basically nobody would accept his presence and like if florida declines you like i'm sorry but if florida says you can't live there (laughs) you gotta reevaluate your life yeah love everybody in florida (laughs) yeah love the weather it's beautiful down there i love you guys (laughs) don't kill us (laughs) um anyways um so he (laughs) everywhere denied him so they put him in a trailer on the grounds of saint quentin Oh my god, like the prison? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> but he was able, he still lived in that trailer. So he he was just on parole. So he bare he was still having his free time, his free life. He was able to go and come as he pleased. Like he was able to do everything normally. Um yeah. So and his parole ended a year later. So after that, he was free. He was a free man. Um, according to time as authorities attempted to settle him in one bay area town after another angry crowds and excuse me i mentioned this already but 
just reading off the paper that I had. Um, angry crowds in Tampa's chapter of the Guardian Angels led protests, screamed, picketed, and eventually prevailed. In Rodeo, about 25 miles northeast of San Francisco, another crowd of approximately 500 local protesters were up in arms and forced officers to move him. Underarmed protesters were up in arms. Oh, I read, just read that. <laughs> um uh and yeah they like had to protect him in his hotel room all this stuff and like can you just imagine being the cop that had to protect this piece of shit i i don't think i could i'd be like you know what have at her yeah he was okay so he was even removed from one apartment in contra costa county in a bulletproof vest after 400 residents surrounded the building um protesting the decision to place him there so i'm like why why did you give him that vest yeah just the one time you should be sloppy in police work is protecting that fucker exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be explicit i swear a lot (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) okay i'm gonna butcher this name because it's german or something but governor george duke mayen ordered the ordered that singleton to be placed in the trailer on the grounds of st quentin's for the duration of his one-year parole and then his parole ends and the outrage of the sentence resulted in the legislation supported by mary vincent which prevents the early release of of offenders who have committed a crime in which torture is used. In 1987, Singleton's parole led to passage of California's, why can't I say California? Ah, I'm gonna read this (laughs) Mary Vincent, which prevents the early release of offenders who have committed a crime in which torture is used. In 1987, Singleton's parole led to passage of California's Singleton Bill, which carries a 25 years to life sentence. That is from the Harrower in 1998. So the leniency of the legal system shocked and outraged many, including myself. (laughs) One journalist who even interviewed uh, remarked, what was most surprising to me, however, was not his sentence. It was Larry Singleton had worked his crimes around in his mind so completely that they did not warrant punishment at all. So Larry Singleton really believed that he did nothing wrong. And he, till this day, well, not till this day, because I'll let you off the hook now. He, he passes away. Yes. Because he's this, like, he's, this, he's an old man. Like he's, I don't, I'm surprised he lived this long, but, um, he, um, yeah. So he believed in his head that he did nothing wrong. He denied that he amputated Mary Vincent, which like, how do you, what do you think she cut her own arms off? Like what the hell? Um, Right before Singleton's parole ended, Donald Stahl, the Stanislaus County, I'm saying it as it's spelled, it's probably wrong. (laughs) Um, The prosecutor at Singleton's trial said, I think if anything, he's worse now. He has not taken responsibility. He lives in a bizarre fantasy land and acquits himself each day. He doesn't accept his guilt and won't resolve never to do it again. Singleton returned to his native Florida after his release in 1990. He was was twice convicted of theft. He served a 60-day sentence for stealing a $10 disposable camera in the spring of 1990, and in the winter received a two-year prison term for stealing a $3 hat. So, Stealing a three dollar hat gave him two years of prison. A quarter of her sentence for losing her arms. Yeah, and and like severely torturing and raping this lady. That's so fucked up. So before his sentencing for the later for the latter crime, he described himself to the judge as a confused, muddle-headed old man. I'm sure you weren't confused when you were doing the fuck you were doing. Yeah. In the spring of 1997, a neighbor called police to report Singleton assaulting a woman in his home of Sulphur Springs, Florida. When police police responded, they found the body of Roxanne Hayes, who was a sex worker, but more importantly, the body, uh, sorry, 
she was a sex worker, but most importantly, she was a mother of three boys. Oh. And that is important because it doesn't matter what you do for work. It matters who you are and how big of an impact you've made in people's lives. And she was a mother yeah. trying to make a living. Um, she had been stabbed multiple times in the face and the upper body. Um, Hayes was a sex worker, a mother of three, and sentencing... Um, and during the sentencing of that uh, murder, Mary Vincent showed up. She showed up and during her testimony, she described Singleton's attack and the toll and the ordeal that it had taken on her. And the judge sentenced Singleton to death. Finally. Singleton unfortunately died in 2001 of cancer in prison. In the prison hospital at the North Florida Reception Center in Stark, Florida. And that is the story of the harrowing survival story of Mary Vincent and the tragic death of Roxanne Hayes. That's insane. And you know, like, like to me, when I hear that he like sledgehammered her, planned all this stuff. Yeah. Basically maimed her, hope leaving her for dead. Like, I don't think that's his first time. Yeah, I agree. It was very methodical. Like the way he it did not, this was not his first rodeo. No. And um, it's really tragic that like, because Mary Vincent had to, um, because he only served eight years for that, he was able to freaking take another life away. And um, it's just so like, going back, mentioning the podcast again, um Mary Vincent had a very very like obviously terrible time after her surviving this like yes she's a badass that survived but you have to think about all the crazy crazy trauma you are now dealing with like for the rest of your life and so she was doing really well um when he was first like when he was in jail she was going to school for art she was in art school and then when he um was uh let back out she like lost like she dropped out of school she wasn't able to finish like she was um completely like um just heartbroken right yeah Um, terrified too super terrified yeah exactly that he's out and uh another thing uh that I did want to mention though is that she is she is married and she has um I believe two or three boys and she is now she invent she was the leader in organizing um or I think she just she organized itself the um I didn't write it down but she has an organization for um victims of violent crime so through her crazy crazy story she was able to like have a life still and like live her life and I I think that's super um super encouraging because it's like someone that's been through that crazy um um I can't describe it besides crazy like instant like accident not even accident but attempted murder yeah I I don't think I I don't even know I wouldn't be able to function no me neither yeah so she brought something good out of it, at least. Yeah. She was able to, you know, and I love that. I love women empowering women, you know, like you, like this person has been through it. So I'm going to help out this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so sad. And all the stories that you even hear about just the justice system, not doing justice. <sighs> and it's just nice to know that there's people out there that do believe you they do support you and there's people out there that will help you yeah when the justice system fails you (laughs) (laughs) which is um really sad but in both our stories a common a common error in the force (laughs) yeah super heavy (laughs) on that note (laughs) on that conversation um on that note, I definitely, since we are like an hour, um, want to have you back on to talk a little bit more about mental health and yeah. um, we'll definitely make a, a date for that. This was like 
super fun at this yeah. time. And I'm glad you were my first guest to yeah, do this. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna end it on my podcast. One second. Yeah. That concludes part one of the True Crime Time segment on Deep Dive Conversations. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know true crime can be a really touchy subject and it can be a really sensitive area to touch on. And if anyone would love to leave a comment or to let me know if anything can be improved by any way you think, um, a deep dive conversations now has a Facebook page. So feel free to message me on there. Let me know your comments. Let me know your questions. Let me know your concerns. I would love to hear it. And genuinely from the bottom of my heart, thank you. If you subscribed or if you haven't subscribed yet, it would mean the world to me if you would. Um, it really helps. And if you have any content that you would like to provide, aka topics of things that we could talk about i would love to address those so let me know deep dive conversations on facebook and yeah thanks peace